The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hope you all are doing well. Um, Like Chris said, my name is Kyle. I'm the youth minister here at Fathom. Um, Go ahead and open up your Bibles to James chapter 2. We are finally in James chapter 2. So open up your Bibles there, open up your Bible apps, your tablets, whatever you got. If you're online with us, you can click the little Bible icon there or get your Bibles out. There is also a black Bible underneath every chair. You can open that up. It's on page 1011. So James chapter two is where we're going to be this morning. So, um, for those of you that like maybe maybe are a guest or haven't, haven't been around here that often or haven't heard me preach, um, whenever I get the opportunity to be up here, uh, I like to sort of update everybody on my family and my kids because that's what preachers do from up here. Um, and so Austin, my five-year-old, he's in kindergarten now. Okay, so he's been in kindergarten now for a, a couple months. It's been going great. He absolutely loves it. Uh, he loves doing school. He loves every part of it. He loves meeting new friends. Pretty much his entire class, he says, are his friends, which is good. Um, he loves doing all the fun activities that he gets to do every single day. He loves earning things in class, getting fun little rewards. Um, and he loves recess, of course, like all of us at that age loved recess. But um, I mean, everything, when I pick him up from school every day, pretty much everything I hear is about recess. Okay. So usually I'm like, Hey buddy, what'd you do at school today? And usually it's like, Hey dad, I played tag at recess. Like, cool. That's awesome. What else did you do at school today? Well, we played dinosaurs at recess and I got to be the Raptor, which I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that means. Um, but cool. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's recess, recess, recess. And I think for most of us, it was now one thing that my five-year-old boy, Austin doesn't like is homework. Can I get an amen from teenagers and college students? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like homework. And yes, kindergartners, they have homework. That was a surprise to me as a dad. I didn't know he would have homework and homework pretty much every night was a little bit of a surprise for me. But now, hear me, it's, it's, it's easier things, obviously, each night. Now, it could be like one math problem every night, or it's writing 10 consecutive numbers every night, or usually it's reading a couple books, but nonetheless, it's homework, right? And, and he doesn't want to do it. So parents of kids, teenagers, I'm going to need some guidance on that in, in the future on Yes, he's some of them are like, I still don't know. I still don't know how to do that. Um, but even a couple months in, for my five-year-old, um, he still hasn't gotten used to the homework piece of school. There's usually at least one temper tantrum thrown a week or so um, he, when it's time to do his homework. So when we, when we started this t- semester, we had to talk with him, and we said, Austin, okay, we had to explain to him, buddy, this is part of it, okay? Like, like this is part of school. You don't just get to go to school and have fun and get rewards and recess, like all that, all that stuff. Like you have to actually like do something like you actually have, have to learn and put it into practice. And first he would usually be like, well, dad, like I, like, I just want to, I don't want to do homework. I just want to go to school. I just want to have fun with my, my friends. And um, so we had this conversation with him a, a couple times earlier in the semester that you actually have to do school. Like you have to, you have to do, you have to do work. 
All right. Like, like he loves telling everybody that he is in school. Like he loves it. If you go talk to him, he's in the kids thing now, but man, he love, he will love to tell you that he's in kindergarten. Like he, that's like big kids school for him. He loves it. But we need, we, we keep telling him when it, when it comes time to doing homework, like you actually have to do it. You have to, you have to actually be doing school, like doing your homework. And he's annoyed and surprised when he actually has to do something that he's learned. And so Really, that's where we're at in, in James. In the book of James, that's where we're at. And so as we know that James is the pastor, he's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, okay? He's writing this letter to other Christians. And last week, Chris kind of started talking about how we are to be doers of the word, right? Doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, not just Christians that say we are Christians, right? Actual doers of what the scripture tells us to do, in order to model our lives after Christ. I mean, if, if we call ourselves Christians, if we, if we put our life in Jesus Christ, like that's what we are called to do as, as Christians. And in this next section, this is kind of a continuation of that, okay? James is actually starting to give more and more practical ways in which we as Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, can actually live out a genuine faith in Jesus, Okay, so we've come to, to chapter two, and this is the sin of partiality. All right, the sin of partiality. So open up your Bibles at chapter two. Um, some of you, most of you, if you have the ESV translation, you'll see the sin of partiality is kind of a little heading or subheading there. Um, some of you might have something that says uh, favoritism forbidden or even a warning against prejudice. Okay, so we're going to get into this. So let's read James chapter two, verse one. It says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, let's pause there. Yes, we're already going to pause after one verse, um, but this isn't like the first week or two in James where Chris did a whole sermon on one verse. We're going to get into more verses, I promise. Um, now, full disclosure, okay? So, so I got to be honest with you. When I was assigned this section of James to preach on, um, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't like super pumped about it. You know, I, I knew what this, I had read it before. I I'd like, even from the, the little heading, I knew it just, the sin of partiality. I was, uh, there, there were quite a bit of thoughts that came into my head. And maybe this was some of you too, but like, I just had this thought of like, uh, okay, like, all right. It's not, I mean, it's not faith without works, you know, which is, which is next week, which is great. It's not taming the tongue, which is so, some exciting stuff, you know, it's, I mean, it's partiality. All right, cool. I mean, um, I don't know about you, but some of the thoughts I had, like, I, I would just say, okay, when I think of partiality, when I read the, the, the title of this, of this section of James, I kind of think of, okay, I, like, I know showing partiality or favoritism is wrong. Like, okay, I get that. And maybe you're thinking also some of the things that I thought is like, yes, I get how it can be a sin, like, I, I get that. Maybe showing favor, like favoring someone a little bit over another, um, like maybe your best friend over your other friend, something like that. Like, I, I get how that can be wrong and, and maybe a sin. Or maybe you're thinking, but hey, you know what? I, I don't really do this that much, right? Like, I, like, this doesn't really affect me that much. I mean, I, I don't really show favoritism in my life. So, me, so this one's not that big of a deal to me. Like, I don't, I don't have a favorite kid or anything, Right, parents? Don't look at your, if your kids are sitting next to you, don't look at them. 
So as I, as I studied this text this past week or so, um, I learned why James has it here in the, in, the, in the second chapter of James while he's writing this and really like understanding that this is more than just calling someone your best friend over your other friends. This is more than just favoring someone a little bit. Right. And as the, as, as the Holy Spirit like like worked, like as, as I was just reading this and really studying this and the Holy Spirit was working on my heart, like to be honest, like my heart started to just to just break over this passage. My heart was breaking over over our church, over our, our community for, for the many people that I, I see each week, like all of you, all the people that come in here on, on a weekly basis. My heart was just breaking as I reflected on the seriousness of this sin of partiality and how, as I said before, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Like I, I'm sometimes blind to this in my own life. And to be honest, I think a lot of us are as well. So let's get into this partiality thing. Like what is this, what is, what is partiality? And so literally partiality, partiality literally means to receive someone according to their face. Okay, so, so as we'll see in this example that James is going to give us here in a second, in the next few verses, it's pretty much judging someone based on their external appearances, okay? Which we would never do, right? Never. And so to start this off, James is saying in verse one, my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So here's the deal. Because the sin of partiality it's getting its own section. James is writing about it. It's in the book of James. He, he's sending this letter to the, the Christians of, of his church that he's pastoring in Jerusalem at the time. It must be a big deal, right? It, it, it's it's got to be. He says, show no partiality or favoritism as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. None, not even a little bit, he says, none. Now, what we need to do here is we obviously need to look at context. We always need to look at the context of this. What is James really talking about here? Okay, why is James talking about this? What is going on that he felt the need to write this down and therefore have it also be of importance to us reading it today, right? So let's keep reading because James is going to give us an example of this partiality um, that we are to not partake in. Okay, so let's keep reading in verse two, verse two, it says, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, you sit, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? All right, so we, we have a little bit more context of what James is talking about here when he says there should be no partiality amongst us, okay? So to set the scene a little bit, he, he's giving this example. He's talking about that this is taking place in some sort of assembly, okay? Some sort of assembly, and theologians studying this have, have pretty much gathered that this most likely does mean a church gathering, okay? Like, James is talking about a church gathering of people, maybe his, his worship service. So, now we get a little bit of context of what this is, um, that this was probably going on in James's church, okay? James was the pastor. He's probably seen this happening in his church, and so that's why it's important for him to bring this up. So, what James is saying here is, here, picture, picture a church setting, 
which is easy for us because we can picture a church setting, right? Picture a church gathering. And James goes on to describe two different people walking into this church gathering. Okay, let's just say these two people are, are completely new. Okay, they're, they're visitors, they're, they're guests, they've never been there before, they don't know anybody that, nobody knows them. So one is, one of the guests is, is all, all blinged out. Okay, he's all blinged out from head to toe, he's got gold rings on, shiny clothes, he's doing pretty, it seems like he's doing pretty good for himself, pretty well for himself. He's obviously got the clothes and, and the jewelry, which means he probably has money, um, that like, like just looking at that, like his outside appearance, appearance, it looks like he's kind of gotten it all together. Like it, it looks like that. He looks, he looks good. And so he's getting all kinds of attention, right? So he's coming in, he's getting all kinds of attention. He's attracting attention from pretty much everybody there. Now there's another guy. So I, that was one guy. There's another guy. Okay. And another guy who comes in as well. And this guy, let's just say is the complete opposite of the first guy, right? Complete opposite. This guy comes in looking a little rough, right? James says a, a poor man with shabby or some translations say filthy clothes on comes in. He, he probably smells, probably looks like he hasn't showered in a while. His hair and his beard are probably looking a little mangy, but um, this guy's also attracting attention. Okay. Definitely not for the same reasons. The first guy is attracting a- attention. This, this, his attention is different. He's getting attention probably because People don't really want to be around him. They're trying to, to move away from him. So James gives this, two, this example of these two people, okay? These two guys who walk into this church gathering completely different, how they look, how they dress, how they carry themselves, how they smell. Most likely, they live probably completely different lives. And then James lets us in on the response of the church, okay? The response from the people there that when these two showed up at their church, okay? So James says... As these two people walk in, in verse 3, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So you got the well-dressed, gold ring, fancy pants guy who he, he walks in and James says, okay, the church sees him, like everybody sees him, they notice him, they connect with him, they talk with him, they chat with him, and they offer him the best seats in the house, right? Probably front row, where no one is sitting right here. <laughs> no one is sitting. Front row because they can see everything, but also everybody can see them, right? That, 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 was, that was important, right? But then, then the other guy, this, this poor man, who's looking pretty rough, the church like, you know, they, 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 they had to say something to him, you know, and actually like what they do say is actually, why don't you go stand over there? Maybe against the wall in the back corner or, or way back in that back corner. Why don't you go stand against the wall? And actually, you know what? Better yet, why don't you just sit down on the ground? Why don't you just sit at our feet? You know, you don't deserve even a chair. Like you could just sit on the ground or stand back against the wall in a corner somewhere. James is saying that this, this assembly, this gathering, this church where these two guys walk into, they were, completed, they were treated completely different. And so here's the thing, Fathom, okay? There's always a reason why, why these examples, for these examples in scripture is to get us to look at parallels, to look at similarities in our own lives, right? We're supposed to take something from this and learn from this. So let's, let's talk about our assembly, Okay, now I know 
what a lot of y'all are thinking, especially if this is your church, if you've been here for a while, I know what you're thinking in reading for some of these verses, not here. Like not that, that would not happen, not at Fathom Church, that would not happen here. It just, it just wouldn't happen. You know, I mean, come on, that's a little bit extreme. You know, it's a little bit extreme. I, I think we would, we would probably treat both these people the same, you know, with, with respect. We'd talk to, talk to both of them. We'd help them both out. You know, maybe they're you know, just, I, I just don't, I don't see that happening here. Like may, maybe at a different church. Yeah, maybe, maybe even at one of those big churches, you know, where it's just easy to overlook people. Like I could see that happening there, but, but, but not here, not at, not at my church, not at, not at Fathom Church. And, and you know what, to that, I would say, like, I totally agree. Like that, that's hard to imagine that that exact scenario would ever happen here at Fathom. So, so we're good, right? We're like, we're, we're, we're totally fine, but here's the truth, church, is it has happened here, right? I've, I've, I've heard people coming into this building and being overlooked. I've heard of people coming in here and feeling like because of how they dress or how they, how they look, maybe they're treated differently as other people. You know, I've heard for in, uh, of instances where people just wanted to leave or, or did leave because they didn't feel like they belonged or, or were treated as such. And yeah, maybe, maybe like these types of things, like maybe used to happen here. I don't know. Maybe they're in the past. Like, I hope so. But in reality, we do show favoritism and it's a sin. And that's what James is saying here. It's wrong. We might not know we're doing it. Hear me. We might not know we're doing this. That's, that's, that's why this could be such a problem, but we do it. I mean, it's, it's in our sinful nature as people that we do this and, Hear me, I've, I've seen this at other churches as well. Like it's not, it's not just here. Every church has this problem and, and working and being a part of other churches. Like I've seen people being treated differently because of what they look like, because of what they, what they might wear. And hear me, even more than that, maybe because of their age or because of their, their skin color or their, their background. Like I've seen it happen. And like, and, and also I, I want to just take a second to, to honor our welcome team and our hospitality team here because they are awesome. They're amazing here at Fathom and they are trying their hardest every single week for this to not happen here. Okay. They do. They really do. But, but here's the bigger picture church. This example that James is giving of this, this church assembly and, and the partiality that is shown to people who look different on the outside is just an example of something bigger. Okay, there's an even bigger issue here and, and we've got a problem. We, we've got a sin problem that isn't just in our churches. It's not in just infecting our churches, but it's infecting our daily Christian lives outside of church. And if we actually want to live out a genuine faith in Jesus Christ, we need to take this sin of partiality seriously and really examine like where this might creep up, when and where this might creep up in our lives, okay? So let's keep on reading, okay? James chapter two, verse, let's go to verse five. Verse five, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? 
Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So now here we have James continuing this theme of, of showing partiality and favoritism towards the rich over the poor. Okay, like that's his big theme in this one. His example was favoritism in the socioeconomic status of the church gathering there, rich versus poor. That was the problem they were having there. That was the problem in his church. Hey, this is still a problem today in our church, in all churches. But James goes a little bit deeper here, okay? with this idea of poor and reminds the Christians of what God's view of the poor is. Okay. He's got to remind them of what God thinks of the poor. He says in verse five, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not, has God not, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. Like James appeals to God's election of the poor. Okay? He wants to remind them of what God thinks of the poor. Like the poor have been chosen to be rich in faith. He's talking deeper than just what we might think of the poor. He's talking about being poor in spirit, which makes you rich in faith. Those that recognize their spiritual poverty, their, their need for God. And we see this throughout scripture many, many times that God's favor of the poor in spirit, but also just God's favor of the poor in general. He has a heart for those that don't have much. He has a heart for those who hurt, those who need. James is talking about those inheriting the kingdom of God are those poor who choose to love God. And what James is getting at here is making sure that we see the poor the same way that God sees the poor. Okay. And this feeds into the bigger issue of how we view people and how God views people. Right. So we have a, we have a problem church. We have this sin problem and it's called showing favoritism. And James is saying that we dishonor those who we show partiality against. And even though, you know, we might be sitting here and saying to ourselves again, like, you know, well, like, I don't really think this is a problem for me. You know, this is like, I don't struggle with this one. You know, I treat everybody equally for sure. Like, I don't have those crazy thoughts in my head, right? When I see somebody, those like first impressions or anything. Like, I don't, I don't do that. Like, I think I do this pretty well, um, but we do. Like, we, we, we judge others. Like, our natural bent is to immediately have an internalized judgment when we see people that manifests in our heart because guess what? We are sinful people. We are sinful people. And in, in James's context, it's rich versus poor in this example. But we need to expand that even more. In our context, it, is, it can be rich and poor, but also everything else. Like everything from showing favoritism to the rich over the poor to judging someone on their looks, but also what they might be able to bring to the table to discrimination and prejudices based on sex and race and background, whatever it is, it happens everywhere outside of church in our everyday lives. Pretty much everywhere we go, we run into this. But the sad thing is, is it also happens inside the church as well. But here's the, here's the bigger issue that we'll see in these next few verses. Like This is bigger than showing favoritism and saying someone's your favorite, Right? This is bigger than being partial to someone. This is bigger than giving someone a good seat and giving someone else a not so good seat. 
It's bigger than treating someone nicer based on their looks. Okay, let's keep reading in verse eight. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Hey, here's the good thing. Okay. Good thing. Christians is like, if we truly live out this Royal law found all over scripture, a command given by Jesus himself, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like good news. If we're doing that, we're doing pretty good. He says that if, if we're actually doing that, we're doing pretty good. But if we're not, like when we're showing partiality, we're not loving our neighbors. In fact, we're sinning and breaking the law of God. The, the command of you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And, and the truth is, is we're all guilty. Like, like we're all guilty of it. And James reminds us that, you know, if we are guilty of this law, we're guilty of them all. Right? We're guilty of breaking the law set to us by God. And even when we think we're doing great for not breaking like some sins, you know, like guess what? We're guilty of others, right? It, it's, it's sin. He says, for, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Like this is how serious James wants us to take showing partiality. Okay. We can't just pick and choose which sins that, that we think are more sinful than others. Right. He's saying, yeah, even if you aren't doing those big sins of like murdering someone or committing adultery, like you're still guilty of sin. You're still guilty of these other sins. And remember, just like Chris talked about a few weeks ago. Okay. When we like, it matters who we sin against. So in reading this, who's the one that wrote the law? Who's the one that, that wrote these laws? Who's the one that created this royal law of love your neighbor as yourself? And even those commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery. It's God, right? That's who we're sinning against. When we show favoritism, we're breaking the law. And when it comes down to it, it's, it's sin, period, but there's a deeper issue. There's, there's a deeper issue, church. And, and when we show favoritism, um, we're showing not just how we see others, but it exposes what we truly think of others. It exposes the value that we see in others. Like when we show favoritism towards the rich, for example, like we might be, we're, we're seeing them for maybe what they could do for us, what they could provide for us, we see them as, as maybe holding a, a higher value to the poor because of what they can, can provide for us. Like if we show favoritism towards maybe a part of our friend group, but maybe not some other people because they aren't like us, like we're holding them to a higher value because maybe these other people are different from us. And when we're doing that, we end up viewing others differently than how God views them. And, and listen, Christian, we know how God views us, each and every one of us. We talked about this a few weeks ago, too. We are all created in his image, right? 
We are all his children, right? No matter what we believe about him, no matter like, like where we're at in our lives, no matter what we look like on the outside, we are all image bearers of God. So when we show favoritism, it shows what we value and how much we value others. It shows that our value of others is different from God's value of them, which seriously, Christian, it just, it just can't be. Okay, it reminds me of this, um, of this illustration that I, I like to do with teenagers um, down, in, down in the youth group and, and my past churches as well with those teenagers. Um, usually when we're talking about value, when we're talking about valuing our, ourselves, we're talking about how we should value others and more importantly, how, how God views and values us. Okay, when we're, when we're talking about this, I like to bring out um, a pretty new dollar bill. Okay, I'm going to do this illustration with you. Okay, I like to bring out a pretty new dollar bill. Like this is, this is a good dollar bill. Okay, it's not, it's not brand new, but it's, I mean, it's got almost no creases in it. It's looking pretty good. It doesn't have any rips, no like marker lines on it. Like this is a really nice dollar. I mean, I would like this dollar. Like I would totally take this dollar home. It is mine. I'm going to take it home. I, li- I, I, would, I would take this dollar, okay? Then um, there's, there's other dollars that I got somewhere. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Yep. Then you got a dollar that kind of looks like this, right? And uh, I mean, this dollar has seen better days. Let me, let me straighten it out a little bit if I can. Um, yeah, this dollar is, is a bit rough. A little rough around the edges. It's a little, it's a little dirty. Um, it's definitely creased and folded and, and torn a little bit. Um, I don't know where this dollar has been besides my sock for the last hour. Uh, but it's been, yeah, it's been places, okay? So, so th- this, it's looking pretty rough. And when I, say, when I say to the teenagers, I'm like, hey, hey, which dollar would you want, okay? Like, which dollar do you want to take home, spend, or just keep for the most part, they would pick this dollar. And I think most of us would. We'd say, hey, look at that nice dollar. I would want that dollar, right? This is the dollar that most of us would do, but um, would, would, would take. But we forget that this old, dirty, kind of ripped bill is still a dollar, right? Like, like it's still a dollar. It actually holds the same value as this one. Right? Like I could go to the store after church today and buy the same thing with either of these, right? It's, 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 it's valued at the same, right? It just, it just looks a little rough around the edges, right? It just looks a little different. So really these two dollars are completely the same in their worth. They're valued the same. One of them just happens to be kind of like that rich guy who walked into the church that James is talking about. That's looking pretty good. While the other one just might represent a little bit like that, that poor guy who's a little rough around the edges and who's a little gross on the outside, right? So when really, these, for these two different guys that James is talking about in this church, their value to God is the same. Their insides are the same. Their hearts are the same. They were both created by God and are both his image bearers. And if we're not careful, church, when we show even slight partiality and favoritism, we aren't viewing others the way God views us, the way God views others. And that's just not okay for a Christian. And as I start kind of wrapping this up a little bit, 
Um, we, we, we need to get into like, okay, how do we do this? Like when we, when we read this, we need to figure out like, how do I actually do this and live this out? How do we as Christians um, begin seeing everyone the way God sees them? Like that, that's, the, that's the big question. How do we make sure that no matter what someone looks like on the outside, that we're showing them the same amount of love and grace and kindness that God shows to us, right? And the answer here is mercy, Let's keep reading. Let's, let's finish this off in, in, in verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under, under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's the truth, church. Here's the truth. We are guilty of this sin. Like we are guilty of many sins and therefore like we deserve that judgment but the good news is mercy. And like, even though we have sinned and definitely in this way of of viewing others totally differently than how God views them and showing this favoritism, this partiality, we have grace and mercy that was poured out for us on the cross. James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, now whose mercy is he talking about here? God's yes. Yes. For one, yes, God's mercy, because we're all guilty and we all need his mercy poured out upon us for our sins. And he did that for us on the cross. But James is also talking about our mercy towards others. Okay, and listen, church, if we want to take our faith seriously, if we want to continue to mature in our relationship with God and have a genuine faith in him, if we want to eradicate the sin of partiality from our lives and in our church and have no part of it, we are to practice mercy, mercy over partiality. That's for us too. It's, it's a human mercy. The mercy we show towards others shows our desire to obey that law and command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself and and share that mercy and grace that we have received from God towards others. Mercy triumphs over judgment, how we value others. Like, hear me, this is not, this, this is not what this mercy is. This is not just a feeling of concern for others, okay? This isn't just a feeling of mercy you have for, for someone. This has to be active. Mercy is an action we need to show others this mercy. We need to give them this mercy. This sin is something we have to correct in order to mature in our faith. And that means like we need to live out this mercy in our lives, in our churches, in our homes, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, on the street corners, everywhere. We all know that, that famous verse that, that Jesus talked about in, in Matthew about mercy. When he said, Matthew 5, 7, he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And James says right here that if we don't show mercy, we will have judgment without mercy. In verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. So mercy triumphs over judgment. And so as I, I'm going to wrap this up here with, with a few questions to get us really thinking about this, okay? Here's some questions, church, that I, I believe that, that will really get us thinking about this whole partiality thing. And, and one of them, it really is just straightforward. Like, how do you fall into this partiality in your life? Like, where in your life do you see this kind of creep up? 
in your life? Another question I have is, is really just for us to, to imagine, like what if, what if Jesus and his crew, Jesus' crew that he, he hung around with, the people that were closest to him, what if they showed up to Fathom Church's front doors next week? You know, they're not going to be blinged out in all the jewelry and everything like that. Like Jesus and his crew were looking pretty rough around the edges, dirty. They probably smelled. They were pretty gross. Like what, what, what's, what would happen if, if that were to happen here at Fathom? And here's another question. Who do you need to show mercy to right now instead of judgment? Like who needs to see God's mercy through you this week? Like we need to root partiality, favoritism, unfair bias, whatever you want to call it, out of our lives. We need to cut everything out of our lives that devalues anyone else. We need to show others the mercy that God has shown us. And we need to practice God's mercy on everyone we meet and see, no matter what what they look like, no matter what they bring or don't bring to the table for us, God's mercy lived out through us is what will help us view others the way we are all intended to be viewed. And that is how God views us. So let's live lives of mercy towards others, church. Will you pray with me? God, we just um, thank you for this message in James, God. God, we thank you for reminding us of who we are, reminding us of, of what, what you think of us, how you value us, how you view us. But God, I feel like sometimes in our lives, we forget about that for others. Like, yeah, maybe we, we know who we are to you, God, but we forget about everyone around us that they are also your children. They are also made in your image, God. And, and God, we sin. We sin towards people who, who might be different than us, who might look different than us, who might even act different than us or, or believe different stuff, God. Or whatever it is, God, I just, God, I pray that we as Christians, God, can go forth showing the mercy to others that you have shown to us, God. And reminding us each and every day, no matter who we interact with, no matter who we see or walk by or, or see on the street corner or see walking through our doors or, or our neighbors on our street, God, that we can, we can remember who they are. God, and remember the value that they have to you and therefore the value that they should have to us as, as followers of you, God. God, I just, I, I pray for our church. God, I pray for, for, for Fathom and, and for anyone who walks through these doors, God, that no matter if we're on, on, on staff or a volunteer team or, or whatever, or brand new, that we could just be so accepting and welcoming to no matter who walks in these doors, God, and show them your love and your mercy and your grace. God, I just, I, I, I pray for each and every one of us in this, God, that we will have no partiality, no, no judgments, no favoritism in our lives, God, because that just devalues in what we think of others and how we view others. And God, I just pray that as we leave here, that we will remember how you view others, God. 
that we are all your children. We are all image bearers of you, God. We thank you so much for this, this text. God, we pray that we could just, we could just hear it and we could, it could go from our, our head to our hearts, God, and then to our actions, Lord, this week. Just pray that you, you bless the rest of this time that we have together. We pray these things in your name. Amen.